Thanks for listening to the Swearing In Podcast, where you'll hear the origin stories of those who chose to serve. So ground your gear, take a seat, and listen up. The Swearing In Podcast starts right now. Swearing In Podcast, I am your host, Marty Smith. Today, my guest is former Army Specialist and current firefighter, Captain Roy Gagne. Roy grew up in Southbury, Connecticut and graduated from Pomperog High School in 1995. In 96, he joined the Connecticut Army National Guard and went to basic training at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. His MOS was a 91 Bravo medic and he attended AIT, at Fort Sam Houston, Texas. His first assignment was Headquarters Headquarters Company, 1st of the 102nd Infantry in New Haven, Connecticut. Roy left the Army as a specialist in 2002. That same year, he was hired as a firefighter with the Norwalk, Connecticut Fire Department. Roy remained with the Norwalk Fire Department, where he currently works as a captain. Now this concludes your pre-brief. So let's get on with the interview. Joining me today is former Army Specialist Roy, is it Gagne or Gagne? Uh, French pronunciation is Gagne, Gagne is how everybody pronounces it. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks, Roy. And we're going we're gonna to go dual hat today, too, because what, what is your rank in the fire department right now? I'm a captain right now. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. yeah, you're not a little peon anymore. <laughs> so where'd you grow up then? Uh, I grew up in Norwalk until I was 11. So Norwalk, Connecticut. Um, and then we moved to Southbury when I was uh, 11 years old, just finishing right right about a month, month and a half left of sixth grade. So a tough time to move for a kid. But yeah, um, yeah I had I had some some tough times there when I first moved. But, uh, you know, it all worked out. I kind of found myself more probably around the sophomore year of high school. So it took a few years yeah. to kind of, you know, find people that, you know, I was friends with and things like that. So you moved at sixth grade, you said? Yes. See, I, my parents did too. And it was, it, yeah, you established friends over those next few years until you get through high school, but you still have sets of friends who've known each other since kindergarten. And it's like, I don't yeah. have any of them. You know, yeah, so. well, I, actually, it's pretty funny. I still, I still talk to a couple people that I that I grew up with in Norwalk too. So, oh, you do? Uh, oh, yeah, cool. a friend of mine. Yeah, one of my friends that lived down the street from me became a Marine, and oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, we we kind of kept in touch throughout. You know, when I moved and after, more so after actually. Right. Um, right. You know, when when he joined the Marines, we started kind of talking a lot more again, and um, you know, it's just been fun to keep in touch with him and and get together with him every now and then and stuff. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So you get into high school. What were your plans for what you wanted to do after high school? Um, originally, I wanted to be a police officer. Like, that's what oh, I really yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. And um, my father was a firefighter. So was my uncle. They were both on Norwalk Fire Department, where I am now. Okay. And my father was forced to retire early. He got injured on the job. Um, he was only on for a little under 10 years, 10 years right, right around 10 years. Um, yeah. And got hurt. And wow. 
I kind of said to myself, you know, I, I want to go to college because I don't want that to happen to me. You know, I want to have something to fall back on in case I get sure. hurt. What did he? What did he say? Did well, he ever he, give you an opinion on it? Well, he was he was the one who kind of said to me, you know, when when fire department shows up, people want us there. Yeah, and I said, you know what? That's that's right. So I, I, yeah. I kind of started to go towards that route more than the police officer side, um, just because of that conversation. And <laughs> right. you know, a couple other people said that to me too, and I was, like, yeah, you're right. You know, I, it kind of opened my eyes to that to that field a little bit more and. Um, from then on, I just, I kind of wanted to be a firefighter and, you know, I wanted to be in Norwalk where my father and uncle were, but, um, I tested all over and it just so happens that the first test I took was Norwalk and almost two years later, they called me for a job. So, um, but you you started earlier than that, right? Not necessarily with fire, but you got like an EMT cert, right? Yeah. I wanted to start to learn about the field a little bit and just see if that was for me. So, um, I joined the, there was like a junior corps in the Southbury volunteer fire department where I was, where we had moved to and right around 14, 15, I started with there. Um, and everybody used EMT as kind of a way to get in because you, you find out about more tests then, you know, there there really wasn't internet, there was no internet. So, you know, you found out about tests and who was testing and, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I started working towards the EMT thing when I was about 15 and I started volunteering on the ambulance at about, 16, 17 also after, after that program, um, and found out that I really did enjoy it. So I, I just kept on that path. What year are we, uh, talking about? Uh, that was 92, 92, 93. And what year did you graduate high school? 95. Okay. All right. What high school did you go to? Pomprog in Southbury. Okay. I don't know how to spell that, but I'll look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I think oh. if I remember correctly, I don't know. <laughs> uh, P-O-M-P-E-R-A-U-G. Pomperon. So you already got your, your, is it an EMT cert? Is that what you yes. got? Yep. So you already have that well before you even graduated, right? Correct. Uh, were you still toying around with college? I was um, mainly because of that fallback I, concept. You know, I, I, I went yeah. to school um, when I graduated in 95, I went to school in North Carolina. Um, for a summer session because I didn't have enough science classes from high school. Uh, they wanted me to take a science class and another class, I think it was English, just to get a little bit of a higher level before wow. I started in the fall. Yeah, yeah. So I went to, I left, you know, Southbury at right after, pretty much right after graduation and went down there for a summer session, um, went through that. And then I started in college for uh, paramedic and um, EMS management. That's what I went to study for. Yeah, down at Western Carolina University. Um, And then after that first semester, I realized that, you know, college was really fun, but classes got in the way. And I had a little little too much fun. And I was uh, not in a very good place then. So when I came home for Christmas break that year, uh, that right before 96, I told my parents I wasn't going to go back that far. And yeah, so and I kind of didn't really want to waste any more of their money either. And I got this bonehead idea from a friend of mine. Um, I believe you know him. And I joined the <laughs> National Guard so that I could not waste any more of my parents' money and I can do it with my <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears. Right. So, right. Um, well, now, now going, in, going, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, that, that's when I, that's when I decided to enlist was right around uh, 96, 97. So, um, it, 
I, I assume it's the same process. This might be a naive question, but to go straight into the guard, you still got to go through all the recruiters, right? Or yes. is it a different process because it's state? No, it's still the same process. It's all the same process until you get out of AIT. And then you're, okay. dis- and then you're discharged from the regular army and placed in your guard unit. I got you. So, so everybody sorry. goes through regular army basic training and regular army AIT, and then you go to your unit afterwards. So had Rob... Had he already done it and then recommended it to you, or did he say, let's go do it together? No, he had already done it. He had okay. already done it, and he'd been in for a while, uh, about a year or two. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got out, and I actually had you know gone to pick him up at one of his drill weekends, and he oh, started yeah. talking to me about it on, on, on the way back. And um, not that he talked me into it or anything, but I was, you know, I was more intrigued about you know going to school, sure. you know, serving, because I, I had some ideas of going in the military when I was in high school, but the, the fire department thing kind of eclipsed that very, very right. quickly. Um, now, I, now, I know you said your father had um, some time in the uh, fire department. Yeah. But did they, did you have any military in your family? Um, just my grandparents on my mother's side. Okay. Both my grandparents on my mother's side served in World War II. Oh, jeez. Isn't that amazing when they do that? Yeah. Stuff? I had a couple great uncles that did that, and I was just like, oh, God, I wish yeah. I would have started this podcast 40 years ago so I could have got their story. <laughs> yeah, um, my grandfather was an MP, and my grandmother was um, in intelligence communications. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty badass for her. Yeah. Uh, where was your MEPS at? Um, my MEPS was in Massachusetts. How was it? Yeah, so I went to MEPS up in Mass, and I, you know, I walked in the recruiter, and <laughs> I said, I, I want to be a medic. You know, okay. I didn't, I didn't really have an idea of what, what jobs were in the army or anything like that, especially the guard at yeah. the time. Yeah. And because I had already had a little bit of a background as an EMT, I was like, I want to be a medic. Makes sense. And the recruiter basically said to me, whoa, 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 take the ASVAB, <laughs> see how you do. Okay. And we'll see where you, what you qualify for. And I was like, okay. So I took the ASVAB. I went back about a week or two later and he took that book of, you know, yeah. however many jobs are in the army. Right. And right threw it on the table and he said, pick something. And my dumb butt didn't open the book. So I oh, said, I want to be a medic. And he said, okay. <laughs> and, uh, I could have, wow. I could have, yeah, I could have, I should have, I should have opened the book. <laughs> but, um, that was, that was pretty stupid on my part, but, um, he, you know, he, he put me in as a, as a 90, well, at the time it was 91 Bravo. Yeah. Now it's, uh, uh, whiskey, I think, or 91, 91 or 98 whiskey or something. I don't know. The shred outs are, are hard to track, but we'll just yeah. go with, with what it was at the time. It was 91 Bravo then. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I, I went to basic training about six months later, actually. They didn't, it was kind of like a little bit of a hold in time. And I started working as an EMT. And well, where'd you go to basic at? Uh, Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. Oh, <laughs> you went to Leonard Wood too, huh? Yep. When you said you wanted to be a medic, and your whole goal was to go in the National Guard, right? You knew that from the get-go, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, and obviously they had them because Rob was there. Right. But you had no idea if they had a spot for you, right? No idea. I didn't know where I was going to go. I didn't know what unit I was going to go to. Yeah. In Connecticut, yeah. there's there's a couple different places you could go as a, as a medic. There's a field hospital unit. Yeah. There's the infantry, and then there's, uh, I believe there's still a unit up in Groton in the sub base. So I, I had no idea where I was going to end up. And they just, I ended up in the infantry unit with uh, in the medical platoon. 
When did it uh, did it ever occur to you? It was like, oh, I might not be able to go where I want to go. <laughs> they might actually send me someplace else. I, I wasn't really concerned with where I was going to go. Okay. I, I was more concerned with not being able to get the MOS I wanted. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because you have to put down alternates and... I was not really uh, feeling the alternates that he chose for me. So, cause I didn't choose them <laughs> again, I was an idiot, but, uh, <laughs> well, but did you sign a contract for 91 Bravo? I did, but there were two alternates on it. So, Oh, I get, Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You got lucky. But I ended up getting it anyway. They were, they were, you know, at the time it, right. You know, nothing was really going on in 96. You know when I signed uh, up. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I guess Kosovo's around that time somewhere, but uh, that was mostly Air Force anyway. So yeah, right. there wasn't a big pull. Plus, actually, actually, now to think about it, because I got out in '98, um, they were just on the edge. '96 was just on the edge of the big riff, right? Yeah. Uh, in the at least in the active duty. So, right. <clears throat> so that was a that there wasn't much going on except they were trying to get rid of people. Right. And, and, you know, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of, um, you know, conflicts that the guard was even really called for necessarily until until, you know, yeah, right. Iraq and Afghanistan. So, right, you know, right. we, we didn't I, you know, that was not even really on my radar. But, you know, I, I got out of basic training and I started actually thinking, you know, maybe I because I really like the structure. I needed the structure. Oh, yeah. Um, after I got out of college, I, that first stand in college, that first semester. I, I needed the structure. I realized that because I worked all through high school. I, you know, I had, I did, you know, martial arts my whole life. And then, Oh, you did. I, I, yeah. And I wrestled a little bit in high school too. Not, not okay. much, but, um, and you know, so I wasn't, but I was always working. So I, I right. constantly had a schedule that kept me yeah. focused Yeah. and I really needed that. So coming out and going into the army, I kind of found that. That makes sense. Uh, that, that structure and that camaraderie there again. And, sure. um, when I got out of AIT, I actually toyed with the idea because back then you could, I don't know if you still can, but they, they hate it. The state hates it. The National Guard hates it. But you can enlist in the army and they have to kind of null your contract with the guard and let you go in the army. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So if I went active, I, I could have just kind of gotten out of the National Guard. It's, it's yeah. not, it wasn't hard back then to do that. Um, at least not from the, the experience that I had with other people doing it. So I actually thought about going regular army. And while I was making that decision, that's when I started looking for school. And, and oh, I went, okay. that's when I went to paramedic school and I went to paramedic school in like 96, 97 yeah. and then started testing for fire departments. And it kind of, that was one of my kind of a little bit of a regret in my life. I wish I, I wish I had done it when I was younger. Really? to go regular army and, and kind of just do my four years there and maybe even more, who knows? Well, it would have gave you all those benefits, I suppose, unless you got all those from the guard, I, I, you know, like education and all that. Well, I mean, you get, or do you, you have to do so much time in the guard before you, no, get you get the GI bill. And, and if you go to a state school, tuition's waived. So you don't pay. Oh, anything. wow. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, so I, I started going to Western Carolina university and, you know, I just kept going with my degree and working, you know, three jobs as an EMT and while I was in paramedic school and going to the army. And then when I was done with paramedic school, I kept those, you know, three, four jobs as a paramedic yeah. was still in the army national guard and testing for fire departments. So, and, and going to school. 
That's smart. I mean, you're spreading it all around. You got a basis where you got a little bit of income from the guard. You're still building towards right. where you want to be. That's smart. Yeah. Uh, before we go, where was your AIT at? Uh, Fort Sam Houston, Texas. So uh, just real quick, what was your impressions of basic? Anybody prep you for it? Uh, a little bit. We had to do that basic class. Um, I believe that was, I think it was Camp Roland at the time. Or up by oh, Grotten. the prep, the little prep. Yeah, that thing. little weekend yeah. prep. Um, yeah. We had to do that. And, you know, I started working out a little bit more and um, just trying to get ready to go. And I wasn't, still wasn't prepared <laughs> prepared for the physical aspect of it. Really? I was going to say, yeah. you were, you're were a wrestler. You had martial arts background. Uh, yeah. Maybe it would have been a little bit easier for you. I, I think it would, maybe it was a little bit easier, but I think the endurance part was, oh, was yeah. like what kicked me in the butt. Yeah, both uh, of those, ne- neither one of those sports, you're really running yeah. all that much. I only had wrestled in high school for about a year and a half. Okay. Um, so I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't do it all four years. So it was, um, you know, I, I definitely wasn't in shape. Like a wrestler was in shape. Plus working on the ambulance, then you're, you're just, you know, you're constantly sitting in the ambulance or eating crap food. Yeah. yeah. You know, not that yeah, I had to, but that's just what I fell into. It sounds so. like you had a little bit of life experience for an 18 year old, you know? Sure. So, uh, but you go off to Leonard Wood. What's, uh, what were you thinking? Like, Leonard Wood was awesome. Like I actually enjoyed oh, really? it. Yeah, I really did. Maybe the the one person who actually says that about Leonard. Wood. Well, you know what? It it was because school for me down there, being a a medic, being a ninety one Bravo, yeah. I was already doing a lot of that stuff as an EMT. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you know, if, if Connecticut had national registry at the time, then I would have been able to kind of avoid four weeks of it, four or five weeks of it. Right. Um, but I didn't have that, so I had to go through the whole the whole program. Oh, okay. Um, so, oh. yeah, they, they, like Connecticut did their own certification back then. Now and now it's National Registry, but yeah. um, that you know that was kind of new back then was was National Registry. Um, huh. So I, I had to go through the whole program, and I actually enjoyed it because I I didn't have to. I already not that I knew everything, but I could study less than everybody else, and right. you know, right. all that stuff. So they're they're all going out on a Friday night, and I had time to. You know, they're studying and cramming because we got to be back on Sunday. And I would take all the boots and shine them up for a little money here and there. And, you know, like, and then yeah. I'd stay in yeah. on Friday night, do that, and then go out on Saturday on their down. So, <laughs> isn't that weird to think I brought it? I can't remember who I brought it up with, but isn't that weird to think that people going in the army now with all the uniform changes that they've made, they don't have to shine a thing? That's crazy. I know, isn't it? It's That's crazy. The hours of my life I've spent with a cotton oh. ball and just yep. doing circles, right? Just sitting there with the little circles. Over or brasso or yeah. whatever else, you know, you had. Yeah. Uh, I asked Rob this because uh, I had always heard that Leonard Wood had this tree at the exit of the gas chamber. Oh, yeah. And they would, and they would say... Make sure you know, turn left or turn right, whatever it is. Make sure you don't hit that tree. But we all know as you're exiting the gas chamber, all thoughts go out of your head. Oh, yeah. It was and people uh, hit it all the time, supposedly. Yeah, it was interesting because like I didn't I didn't feel bad in the chamber at all. Really? They, they, yeah, they took off our masks and I I was okay for like the first two, three minutes. Wow. And all of a sudden when we went walked outside, I started to kind of cough a little bit. Yeah. The second the cool air hit my face, because it was February when I went, oh, so it was cold. Yeah. So when I walked outside, as soon as the cool air hit my face, throw up <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I, I couldn't. I couldn't hold it back. My <laughs> eyes started watering. I couldn't. I 
But when I was in there, it That's actually, weird. Yeah, I was coughing a little bit and I was, you know, it was yeah. irritating. Yeah. But it didn't really hit me until I walked out. You get through basic, okay. Um, and uh, now you're off to Sam Houston. What'd you dive in? Jeez, that's got to be a, a, quite a change for you growing up. It was into, a big change. Yeah. It was a big change because I, you know, we, I was in the dead of winter in February. Um, you know, we're all out standing outside in formation and every single piece of clothing and coat and gloves and everything hats that we could possibly fathom right and you know the drill instructors walk outside and said take all of it off and put it in your ruck and we were like standing out there chattering thank god they wow. did it 10 minutes into the road march and i was wow. sweating yeah bullets. right right so i was like you know no one no one really had that thought process at the time but yeah. now i understand why they did it now yeah uh how long was that down there sam houston a couple months uh, yeah, that was uh, 10 weeks, I believe it was. Oh, 10 weeks. Yeah. yeah. Um, how did that compare to what you had already? I mean, obviously, it's going to enhance some of the things from your EMT. Right. Uh, so you had a familiarity with some of it, right? Yeah, you basically go through the EMT program down there yeah. while you're um, while you're learning other things. So you're learning okay. a little bit more advanced stuff, too, like starting IVs and um, oh, nice, nice. You know, all that stuff. So it's almost like an advanced EMT class. Yeah. Um, you're, you're not really, you know, other than, you know, morphine and things like that, you're not really administering medications like a paramedic would, but you're still doing a lot of the things that, you know, EMTs can't do. So you, you, it was kind of a little bit of a balance of learning the more advanced stuff versus kind of just studying and remembering what I had already done. That makes um, sense. Yeah. I remember my wife, who's a home healthcare nurse, but she, when she was getting her IV certification. I was the practice dummy, right? Did they, is that how it was down there in Sam Houston? Did you just practice on each other? We did practice on each other. <laughs> I only really remember one day of practicing on each other. Oh, okay. um, they had like mannequins and things like that. And you had to do oh, it on, nice. on other things also. So it was, it was, it was not all human sacrifice of, <laughs> of practice. So I just imagine a whole platoon of you down there with just marks all over your arms yeah. and everything yeah. like that. So it wasn't, there, there wasn't a lot of exposure to it then. Um, you know, you learn how to do it, you learn the process and you learn how to do it with, you know, in, in a sterile environment really. Oh, and yeah. then yeah. you kind of go on your way and practice and, and do it in your unit. So I was always told um, that, I have, I'm a hard stick by some nurses, right? And then you get to some of the older nurses and they're like, you're not a hard stick. They just don't know what they're doing. So they, they like, they yeah. didn't hold it right. They say my veins roll and all this other yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then they, they always call for the one lady who knows how to do it. Yep. And she's like, uh, fine. And she comes in after several attempts. Right. She goes right away. So I don't know what that is. Uh, but I only say that because. When you hear that, you know, you're a hard stick, you're probably not doing it right, right? Right. You're, or you're just, you're not experienced. Like, you're not, not you're not doing yeah. it correctly. It's yeah. just that you, you know, I haven't done a lot of them or something like that. Because we learn how to do blood draws and, um, you know, how to do IVs and things like of that nature. But it wasn't, uh, I didn't really learn it and, and do it well until I was doing it in the back oh. of the ambulance as a paramedic, you know? Yeah when you're bouncing down the road on a hard. That's stick. crazy. I was going to bring that up about like the airborne guys, but still in the back of a, in the back of the truck, you still, yeah, you're moving, trying to 
yeah. to get that stick. Yeah. That's and you're you're bouncing a lot. So it's you know, you're you're trying to do all that and get blood draws and everything while you're while you're moving. I don't even think paramedics I haven't worked as a paramedic and and since 2011. Yeah. Um, yeah. but even by then we had stopped doing blood draws in the field. We had oh, really? stopped, yeah, we stopped it a, a probably like four or five years before that. Um, yeah. I worked as, as a medic for 14 years and um we did it in the beginning. And then afterwards they were like, we're going to draw more blood anyway at the hospital. Don't, don't even worry about it. Oh, so I got you. I got we you. Stopped, we stopped doing blood draws on the field. I don't even, I don't know if they still do it now or that somebody does it or, or not. I'm not, I'm not yeah. sure. I've kind of been out of that for a while. Sure. Um, so you get done with Sam Houston when? Uh, that was summer of 97, 98. No. Yeah, it had to be 97 because when I came home, I started my paramedic program right away. Oh, okay. So it had to be 90, like right, actually right about the end of, uh, no, it was 96. Excuse me. Oh, that 96. Was 96. Yeah, Jeez. that was 96. You swore in 96. Jeez, that was a busy year, huh? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you swore in, you went to basic, you went to the AIT, yep. got out of that. And then once you get out of that, what, what unit were you assigned to in your guard unit? HAC 1102nd out of New Haven. And then, so the infantry unit, the 1102nd in Connecticut, your headquarters headquarters was in New Haven. So oh, that's okay. where the medical platoon was. That's where supply was. That's where a lot of that, you know, the all the support units that for the infantry company, for the infantry battalion. Yeah. And then like Alpha Company and Charlie, like Charlie Company was out of New Britain. I and gotcha. Alpha Company was somewhere else in Bravo Company. So we would we would usually show up to our unit in new haven on like a friday night and they would tell us who which company we were going with that weekend so we would get oh they farmed you out they farmed us out so yeah. if, if if that company was going to do you know training somewhere else then we would go there and sometimes you know we would stay together and sometimes we wouldn't sometimes yeah. it was everybody sometimes it wasn't so uh a lot of the times i ended up with charlie company but um which is funny because like a lot of the guys that I went to college with at Western Carolina or Western Connecticut State University when I got back, yeah, were in Charlie Company. Oh, no kidding! A lot of the guys that I, so I, we would see each other all the time at school and and yeah. hang out. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of cool. That's kind of yeah. nice. Yeah. Um. So then, once you get that, well, where did you live? Where did you end up living at? Uh, I I lived all over the place. So oh, I, really? I was still in I was still in Southbury. We I you know I moved to Woodbury in an apartment for a while. I moved oh, to okay. Danbury in an apartment for a few years, and so I was kind of all over the place. But you didn't um, live in New Haven, no. All right. Um, so you get down there, you're doing your your once a month thing. Uh, did they pick you up for any deployments before you got out in O two? No. The only thing um, the only thing we ever got deployed for really was to guard targets in or potential targets in Connecticut after nine eleven. Um, 9-11 happened and we, we ended up just getting deployed like a few days later, um, to guard all of the armories to guard, you know, oh. communications areas and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, cause there's still some, some pretty big, you know, satellite communications stuff in the, in the area. Yeah. Uh, right. So we got, we got deployed to, to do stuff here, not necessarily they, overseas. They give you live ammo for that. Yep. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's real now, right? Yeah, exactly. Where do, where were you when uh, 9-11 went down? I was actually at work in Danbury, uh, working on the ambulance that day. Oh, okay. And I had just gotten back from a call. I came in and 
couple of the guys were watching TV and yeah, looked up. Yeah. And just as I looked up, the second plane hit. And it was uh, it was pretty surreal. It was yeah. really surreal. Yeah. So we were all standing there just watching. And probably about a half an hour, not even a half an hour, it was maybe about 15 minutes after um, the second plane hit, uh, our boss, the, our manager, EMS manager, got a call from the CEO saying, I guess AmeriCares at the time was trying to get flights in to try to get people out. And oh, they were really? kind of coordinating that part. Yeah. And I guess they knew each other. The guy who was running uh, Blackhawks from Sikorsky into the city knew our CEO. And he called and he said, hey, can anybody get picked up on in Danbury? So there was about six of us that flew down in an ambulance down to the airport and jumped on the Blackhawks that were flying over from Stratford, Connecticut, from Sikorsky over into the city. And we they landed, picked us up, and we went. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So we uh, we... we Probably got to the city at about eleven thirty in the morning. Um, and New York, saw, are you saying New York City? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. and um, so they we landed on the pier, and we kind of sat at the pier for about half an hour until they could find out how we were going to get down to Ground Zero. And all of a sudden, the police van shows up, and we just jumped in that, and they drove us straight to Ground Zero. Whoa, what is going through your head at this point? I, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, I mean first you're trying in. to comprehend what is going on, right? Yeah. I mean, we were, one of the guys that went with me stopped at like CVS on the way in and got a bunch of disposable cameras and oh, wow. threw them in his pocket real quick. So we yeah. have um, really, it's amazing pictures from the helicopter as we were coming in and all the smoke coming out of the ground. And um, just when we landed and as we were driving in, I mean, it looked like it snowed. There was just... Oh. Yeah, gray powder yeah. everywhere I mean, it, was, it really looked like it snowed um dark like we went from bright blue skies and then as we drove in everything was dark it was like it was you know nighttime um right. so we got down there we started asking guys you know hey where do we go where do you need us and they sent us into like the burger king that was right across the street went to the second floor got hard hats and lights and taped into our hel helmet and um just a you know a mask wow. didn't really do much at yeah. the time yeah. and then uh we ended up in one liberty plaza for about almost 24 hours just kind of helping out with the aid station there oh okay all right yeah so we were you know you walk out of one liberty plaza and you know the the wreckage from the tower is right there i mean you could touch it and we stayed in there for a long we stayed in there for a while when uh were you in transport when you heard that the towers went down um they had already come down by the time we got on the helicopters. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. They had, they had come, was, yeah. No. yeah, no, they had already come down by the time we got on. God, your mind is just gotta be blown. I mean, but yeah. at least at least there was a part, um, you know, because I think most of the country felt helpless, but at least you got to go there to help. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I mean it was we I mean, we ended up helping most of the, you know, firefighters and responders there. We didn't even really help civilians or people that were in the buildings like that oh, wasn't even yeah. really what we did we, we thought we may but by the time we got there and uh we walked into the into the lobby of one liberty plaza it was just yeah it was mayhem you know i mean it was just mayhem everywhere and oh. i remember vividly too like there was a whole hospital team set up like right inside the doorway with two beds and you know there were surgeons there and nurses oh, and everything wow. like that and they were just standing there yeah. waiting for like critical patients to come in 
and no one ever came. So they just stood there. Huh, really? And we were, you know, there was just bottles and bottles and bottles of oxygen all over the place stacked up and chairs everywhere with, you know, firefighters in there and we're giving them oxygen and breathing treatments just because the dust was so thick. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple guys with, you know, chest pain and actual ailments and things like that, that happened just probably from stress more than anything else. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, but you know, I mean, we were, we were there just kind of helping them out and, you know, maybe a little bit of coordination on one of our, uh, one of the guys that came with us part, you know, grabbed a clipboard and started writing names down of people who came through just so, you know, we could kind of not keep track of everyone, but at least have an idea of who was there and where they were and where they were, you know, going yeah. out, back out to yeah. on the pile and stuff like that. So, um, and then like multiple times throughout the night, it was probably maybe even two or three times. One of two things happened, either firefighters started walking in with hoses and saying, we know the building's on fire. It's still the safest <laughs> place to be. stay here. And they would run up the stairs and put out whatever was going, you know, going on upstairs. And then a couple of the uh, nurses and, and other people that were helping us with the aid station, you just stand up on the middle of that. There's a huge like security desk. Yeah. In, in there and they would stand up on the desk and they're like does anybody have any more morphine does anybody have any more of this oh, does anybody have any more of this because they were just running out of everything everything yeah was, sure sure it was massive it was chaos oh my so, god I, 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 how did you hold up to it? i mean uh, i mean obviously you have the job to do which helps you know, yeah i mean that's, actively doing something that's definitely probably what not only from sleep you know being sleep deprived and staying there for so long, but um, just having work to do and having people to help yeah, yeah, really yeah. helps you to kind of just not even really think about what else is going on outside. Yeah. So, you hear that tower came down with all those firefighters in it. Yeah. Well, and cops and everybody else, of course. Well, and then a, a good friend of mine, actually a great mentor um, and my first ambulance job that I ever had, um, Chris Blackwell, he was a firefighter on rescue three. Yeah. And when I got there, um, you know, we had tried, been trying to reach out to people who may have heard from him or not. Yeah. And everybody's like, we can't get a hold of him. We can't get a hold of him. And then when I was standing in there, we were probably there for about four hours or so. And another firefighter that I know from, uh, Bridgeport, yeah. um, walks through the lobby, sees me, looks at me and says, we can't find Blackwell. Ah, damn. And Jeez. so it came out that he, he was lost in, in the, in the towers. He was. So, oh my God. Yeah. So wow. it, that was uh tough. He was a really good mentor and one of the yeah. best, one of the best medics, one of the best firefighters anybody's ever known. Like he, he developed a reputation of just being, he was, he was always there, always yeah. there when, when you needed something, you know, you needed help. You wanted help learning something. He'd be the one to call. And you're like, uh, what are you, 26, 25, somewhere around there. I when in 2001, um, or maybe not even that. Right? No, I was 22. God bless to see 22, that. 23. How long did they keep you there? Um, we actually left One Liberty Plaza probably about like three or four in the morning. Um, just because we, I, half of us couldn't even stand it. Like we were just exhausted. Yeah, um, sure. So we, we trekked, we jumped on the subway and, and trekked down to, you know, the first hotel we saw and just everybody oh, grabbed really? a room and. There was just bodies everywhere. Like all six of us were crashed out. Yeah, we, sure, sure. We got up in the morning early and went back down there. And by the time we got back down there, they had everything cordoned off. They had like there was just oh, a big rope yeah. around everything. Yeah. And uh, they weren't letting anybody else in 
unless they had like a you know search dog or whatever the case may be. Sure, sure. So they they had already kind of pushed all the responders back at that point. Um, so we stayed for a little bit longer and and tried to you know walk our way around and see if anybody needed anything and no one did. So we we ended wow. up uh, back down on the pier and the helicopter came and picked us up and brought us back to Danbury Airport. Wow, God, that's yeah amazing that's an amazing story just for just the one day jeez yeah it's crazy yeah it was crazy it was uh it was just surreal i would i would imagine um so you got out just the next year then right out yeah, of the national yep. guard so yeah was so, that the end of your contract or uh yeah that was the end of my six years right. so i had i was just about to finish school and i was going to finish school in may and then this i was, was gonna, still at western carolina Western Connecticut. Now I, oh, I moved Western. from, yeah, I came when I, when I came back up here after Western Carolina, after that first summer and semester, um, I went to Western Connecticut State University. Oh, okay. Um, so I was just about to graduate in June, May, May, June. And, um, my ETS date was August and I was trying to toy with the idea of whether or not I was going to reenlist or I was going to, um, get out and all this stuff. And, uh, April of, 2002, I got a call or March of 2002, I got a call from the Norwalk Fire Department saying, um, you still want the job? And I said, yep. Oh, how <laughs> long, how earlier th did you test for them? I started testing um, pretty much right while I was in paramedic school. Oh, you so, did? Okay. Yeah, I started I started testing everywhere. And um, I think I took the first test I took was Norwalk in 2000. Yeah, it had to be 2000 because it was it was a two year list. And I just made it by like three months. They called me with like three months left to the list. Um, and so I, I said, yes. And I had to report, I had to show up at, in April for that. So I went around and told all my teachers and that, Hey, I'm going to do the best I can to finish school, but I can't give up the opportunity. Sure. And they were all very supportive. Um, and they knew that I wasn't going to be there for like a week and a half, two weeks, just because of, you know, the straight day stuff for a while. Yeah. And then I, came back, finished school, and I was on the job already. And that's kind of what made my decision to ETS in August. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. What degree did you get? Uh, communications. I got a, a bachelor's in communications there. Nice. Yeah. What a year. Yeah. You don't, you don't mess around here, right? No, I, I, I don't. I, you know, it's, it never really stopped either because, you know, I learned yeah. all I could, took a lot of classes about the fire department and everything and, um, you know, kept learning stuff there. And then I kind of got to the point where I was like, you know what? I think it's time to get the master's degree. So I did that. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I went through that in 2008. You got a master's in 2008. Yeah. Man. Do you use GI bill for that? Uh, no, I had already used my stuff for my undergrad. So oh, I, ended, okay. Um, my, my fire department had tuition reimbursement. So oh, I, nice, nice. yeah. So as long as it's a fire department related field, yeah, you can, you can use the tuition reimbursement. What was your master's in? It was organizational communication and leadership. Oh, jeez. So I, I, I kind of, you know, at the, the chief at the time, I told him that, hey, I'm going to take promotional exams and I kind of want to be ready for that. And he was like, yeah, sure. And he approved it. So I don't know if they, I don't know if they would approve it now, nowadays, because uh, uh, wow. they're a little more strict with, uh, you know, what classes yeah. you can take. But um, it worked out well. All right, let's move into the fire department stuff. Okay. So when you took the test, did they have you do the 
there's a physical piece to it, right? Yeah. There's a physical yep. like prereq that you got to pass. Yeah. So you have to take a written and then you have to do the physical agility and then you have to do an interview. Um, at the time, Norwalk had their own physical agility. Now, most departments use uh, CPAT, the candidate physical. Oh, yeah, right. I've um, heard that. But, you know, now most departments around the country, just because it's standardized, yeah. they use the CPAT. Okay. Um, but Norwalk at the time had their own. So it was, uh, you know, mile and a half run, uh, sit and reach, uh, drag a dummy, grip test, a couple of little things here and there. Um, and you just had to do it in a cert- all in a certain amount of time. Right, right. So is there a fire academy that you go through? There, there is now. So, oh, there wasn't back then. Well, there's always been a Connecticut State Fire Academy now yeah. for for years, many years. Um, but at the time, not a lot of departments sent their candidates to the academy. Um, either they had their own academy, or yeah. they, like I did, I did. At the time, Norwalk had two weeks training. We we just went straight days for two weeks, learned. Huh everything that they wanted us to learn. And then we, everything else was on the job. Um, okay. All right. A few years later, maybe even not even a few years, maybe even like two more groups of people that got hired and they started sending everybody to the Academy. Oh, they did. Yeah. But uh, you're hired straight in, right? You didn't have to volunteer for a while. And then they, nope. they brought you on. You were just hired straight in. What's your, what's uh, what do they call you when you're first in? Just yeah, a you're a probationary firefighter. You're a firefighter, but a probationary firefighter for the first year. Um, and then once you're done with your probation, you're a firefighter. So, oh, so you're like probie, like in backdraft, right? Exactly. <laughs> yep. that's, the only, that's the only time I ever heard that term. I was like, yeah. probie, what is probie? Yep. You're a probie. You're probie for a year. <laughs> wow. Well, how'd you adapt to it? I mean, uh, the, you've well, been through the Army of, stuff. You've been through the school stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was still... Too. The, the structure and the, the, the way that the fire department is kind of just, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was really what I like to do. I don't like to sit behind a desk. I didn't like to, to do that stuff. So um, I wanted to be active, but I knew EMS and being a paramedic and having three or four jobs as a paramedic wasn't going to be, you know, a sustainable thing for, you know, 25, 30 years. So, yeah. um, you know, I still wanted to do the firefighting thing. And I did that and I found something out, you know, I enjoyed a lot. So oh, no kidding. Yeah, I really loved it. I mean, it was great. It was it had the same, you know, the structure and and that, you know, that schedule that I liked. So, um, kind of kept me kept me focused there. Um, so you're now you're in a swing, right? You get out of two weeks, and now you're going to calls, and a lot of it's probably OJT as well. I I imagine for the calls. Uh, well, I mean, even though you do your two weeks. Or, or whatever you did for, you know, the local fight kind of fire academy stuff. Now you're just learning on the job after yeah, that, right? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So it's really just like, you know, following the officers there and yeah. talking to the senior firefighters and the other guys who have been there for a, a little while. And, um, you know, just learning how, you know, learning the firehouse stuff is is just as important as learning the stuff on the calls. Um, sometimes more important because, you know, the fire department is, is really like, you know, how the military perspective is if you can't do the little things around barracks if you can't do the little things around you know the you know whatever base you're on how are they going to trust you to do the big things when makes sense they happen so um learning just the culture around the firehouse and and what the probationary firefighters are supposed to do and you know shop for dinner cook for dinner clean up this clean this gear learn where this stuff is like all that 
you you really have to focus on that kind of stuff at the firehouse. It's not just going on calls and yeah. and doing that stuff. It's it it really is a like a test of oh. you know, is this person going to be able to do the little stuff around here to be able to do the big stuff when we can't when it when it counts. So well, and you and you got to mess with the rest of the team, right? You got to. Yeah. Uh, they got to be able to depend on you and all that. So you right. got to establish all of that trust. Right. And you're the, you're the new guy in the family kind of thing, you know? So, you know, they're feeling you out. They're trying to figure out like, yeah. what kind of person you are and how much, how much rasin they can get away with all that stuff. <laughs> so, you know, what's, what's the worst thing you had to do as a probie? Um, what's the worst experience they put you through? What's the worst hazing they got you on? Well, it, okay. So hazing back then wasn't necessarily looked down upon as much as it is now. Right, right. Um, let's just preface that right now, <laughs> so okay. I don't get anybody in trouble. Um, All right. It was uh, probably my second night there, second or third night there, yeah. and you know we got a little, uh, you know, duct taped. I got duct taped and, and thrown in the shower, and um, you know, shower <laughs> got turned on. Oh yeah. So you know, little things like that, just. Um, messing with you a little bit just to see how far they can take it and things. So, um, you know, and you just roll with it. You just yeah, roll with right, it. right. It's right. all it's all in good fun. They're not doing it to hurt anybody. They're not doing it to, you yeah. know, anything. They're just trying to see how you are and fill you out. You know, back then it was it, that's just how we did it. Nowadays, yeah. you can't get away with that stuff anymore. You know, that would be I, I, right, right. I mean, uh, really looked down upon. We used to always say the worst they can they can do is not screw with you. Because then they really don't like you. And th right. that's exactly it. It was really, it still is that way a little bit. It's just more, you know, little jokes here and there and stuff like that. Um, you know, anything, the only thing that was off limits was 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 family. That's it. You, sure. know, you, can't, you can't mess with somebody's family. Other than that, you know, I walk in and my, you know, my, my bunk is flipped over and, <laughs> you know, or they put it up on cans and you don't notice it. You lay in it and boom, it goes down. Oh, geez, um, that's pretty you know, good. Little, little things like that. Like at one point we, you know, we put somebody's entire bunk on the wall, just like it was on the floor and like bolts, bolts into the. Into wow. The yeah. And uh, so <laughs> that's, and then, that's a lot of work. Another guy, we brought his whole, his whole bunk out into the, into the driveway, into the parking okay. lot. All right. Now we're done. You know, a little. Just yeah. stuff like, you know, just joking around. Um, and we, of course, we all helped them put it back. And, you know, you, you help clean up and everything like that. You, you just, you know, mess with each other a little bit. You do four hours of work for that 30 second reaction and then you put yeah. it all back. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but it's worth it. So much fun. Yeah, right. So, uh, what was your first real call like? Um, my first real call, I, it was, I probably went on more EMS calls. Oh, did you? In my first couple of shifts. Yeah, because we do uh, first responder. Yeah. So we, we will respond like an engine or whatever apparatus is available, really. We'll respond with an ambulance to help them out for anything okay. like life-threatening or you know chest pain or un unresponsive, stuff like that, just in case they need either a hand in the back or somebody to now, drive. Let me ask you this. Is everybody trained to some degree in uh, EMT or the paramedic stuff? In, in my department now, they are, yes. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, some some departments may not may not do that uh, like we do, but um, everybody is either EMR or EMT um, oh, or, right. or paramedic. There's only probably only maybe at the most five or six people that were paramedics at, at one time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most people, you know, they they get their EMT because they're on the fire department, or they get it to get on the fire department. 
I got you. I'm, I make sense. At least for for firefighters, anyway. I, you know, most people who get it their EMT work on an ambulance, but yeah, yeah. Um, you know, most people where I am got it to become firefighters. So, what about your first real fire call? So that was it was a lot of fun. I was probably two weeks in, and I was on an overtime. I just got hired for an overtime, and I'm supposed to be working. Just, at- you mean like an overtime shift? Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. Right. And I was supposed to be working at my station, station two. And one of the uh, senior firefighters there, um, well, senior to me, I think he had about five, six years on. Oh. It's just common courtesy that the younger guys move stations so that they can stay in their station. Yeah. So I got moved to a different station yeah. and we got a fire that night. And I was the one first due. And he was so mad. <laughs> he was so oh, mad. Really? Really? Oh, yeah. He's like, I can't believe I switched stations with you. Um, but it was fun. It was just a, it was a room in uh, kind of like a, Condo unit, yeah. a, you know, townhouse looking condo units. There's about four four units in each building, and one of the second floor bedrooms in one of the condos was going. So oh, it was geez. it was fun. It was it was good. It was kind of like a good um, a good intro fire. So you oh, know, yeah. it was one yeah. room. It wasn't you know it wasn't too big. It wasn't too crazy. Um, just pull the pull the fire hose and go inside and put yeah. it out. And it was it was pretty straightforward. It wasn't it wasn't big. So you still was, got uh, you still got adrenaline pumping, though, right? Oh yeah, like, oh without a doubt, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. Did uh, were you satisfied that you kind of went through everything, or did you go, yeah, but I, I could have done this better, or or anything like that? Oh, uh, you always when you're when you're that new, other people tell you what you could have done better. Oh sure, yeah. so, <laughs> right, right. But uh, you know, um, you're just happy that you did it. Yeah. You know, you're just happy that you got through it and and you did it, you know, to the best of your ability and well. Um, and you know, you take everybody's input into consideration and do better next time. So, but then like now where I am now, I definitely think about how can I do this better next time? How can I, what, what did I do incorrectly? What can I do to improve? Um, that, that took probably about, you know, a couple of years to really start to say that at calls. Um, because the first year or two, you're still learning. Yeah. So, you know, you don't know everything, you know, you know, you don't know. And now, not that you know everything, but you always want to look to, okay, now I understand what should happen. Now I need to improve on every little thing. So it's interesting. I was told uh, your department will train you for the district that you're in. So if you're uh, like out here in Colorado and you're kind of in a mountain town, uh, they don't do a whole lot of skyscraper training for to be you know to be a little ridiculous, but sure. they'll do more brush fire and more you know barns or things yep. like that. Yeah, so, I, I'm sorry. What what was your training kind of concentrated around? Being uh, where you more, were more for residential houses and, oh, okay. and commercial building, like uh, we call them taxpayers, like the the single story, multi store, oh. you know, strip malls kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah, we have a couple bigger buildings in Norwalk, um, but it's not no no major size skyscraper. I think our tallest building is eight stories. Okay, so you know anything eight stories and below is what we what we really work on the most. But our yeah, that makes sense. That makes you sense. know ninety ninety nine percent of what we do is is residential. Um, you know you'll get the occasional commercial fire here and there, and maybe a strip mall or something like that. But high rises and things like that, they don't. There's only one yeah. real high rise. Um, couple higher like apartment buildings, but nothing. It's not like the city. It's not like New York City or, or um, 
you know, Jersey with all the right. commercial like factories right, right. and things like that, or Bridgeport with factories and old factories and stuff. It's you, not get into that, you, you get in this like chemical training and, and all that stuff. You got to be yeah. hazmat. You got to be aware. I hate hazmat. Oh I can't. I, there's one thing I did not get. Like, I, of course, you have to go through the training and you have to right. know what to do in certain certain things. But um, there are people that go on to be like hazardous materials technicians and they're on the hazmat oh. team and um, all that stuff. And I, had no interest in doing that part of it really? at all. Oh no, I did not like it. I do not like it. You know, I'll do it. I'll do the decon areas and I'll do that yeah. kind of stuff that we yeah. that we have to do as as op- being operationally trained for hazardous materials. But when it comes to doing technician stuff and being on the team and things right. like that, no, no, thank you. Speaking of that, what was the longest you ever been in like the mask and, and breather? Um, right? Probably we had one, one big fire. Actually, this is, it was a pretty big fire. It was probably four stories, but it was apartments above commercial. So it was like, you know, stores on the bottom floor and then apartments above. Um, I think the most I ever went through was four bottles was being, how long does a bottle last? So they're, they're 45 minute bottles that we have, but they really, if you're working, they're only going to last you about 15, 20 minutes at the most. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. Yeah, if you're working, what, so forty-five minute bottles. If you're breathing like we are now, correct. Not if, if you're I'm sitting in a chair and equipment. I can sit there for forty-five <laughs> minutes, right? You know, and not and not run my bottle off until like you know probably 40, 45 minutes. Wow. But if you're working hard, it's fifteen twenty minutes. Easy. Oh man, man, that's a long time. So an hour, hour and a half, something like that. Yeah. yeah, all masked up, I guess. Yeah, Ugh. you got to come out. You got to change your bottle. You got to take everything off to change it. But as soon as you put it back on. Just go back in. Oh, jeez. So I think I, I think four bottles was the most I ever did. So you started in 2002. Correct. So you're 21 years in now, right? Yep. Yep. I just had my 21st anniversary in uh, April. April 23rd. And, wow. Congratulations. Yeah, that's, started that's amazing. And you are the captain of the same place? So I'm a captain in Norwalk. Yep. I, no, I, you stayed yeah, with the same fire department the entire time. Yeah. So we don't, uh, it's not like the police department. We don't, we don't lateral much. Oh, so, really? Yeah. yeah. You basically have to start over. So they'll, uh, you, you have to test again. You have to test for that department, get hired, go through the interview process, do the CPAT, do everything. Oh man. And then like our department will take trained firefighters and not send them to the academy, but they're still starting from square one seniority wise. They're yeah. still starting at year one. So they're still a probie for a year. They still have to go through everything. So, um, you know, if they had, the fire academy within a certain amount of time, they will just let them come on the line and not go to the academy. Um, but you're still starting over. But from still, school. yeah, that's the only so, benefit you get. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, there, it's not like police department where once you're a certified police officer, you can go anywhere. Oh, it's, okay. It's, so it, yeah, you. It, why I don't know. It doesn't really <laughs> make any difference. But yeah, um, yeah, it's it's not the same. It's not the same as the police department with laterals. What are the ranks that you've gone through to get up to captain because i don't know the ranks so. so i was a firefighter and then i got promoted to lieutenant in 2011 okay and when i got promoted to lieutenant is when i stopped working as a paramedic um oh was, really yeah so i didn't need that part-time job anymore because I, yeah, right, right, right. so right. I stopped working as a paramedic in 2011 um i kept my license i still i'm still a licensed paramedic but i just don't sure. work it. um and then in and as a lieutenant uh how does that Structure work, you know. I'm trying to relate it to the to the military, so, but well, are in you our, in, in our charge de- of a shift now or something? So, no, I'm in charge of an engine company. So oh, it's almost okay. like being a, 
like a platoon sergeant. Okay. All so right. you're you're in charge of a small, very small group of people within the organization. Right. Um, right. So in my department, our lieutenants ride the engines, our captains ride the two trucks and the rescue, and then yeah. our we have a shift commander, a deputy chief who's on shift. Okay. Um, and then we have a deputy chief of training. So there's and then there's two assistant chiefs and then the chief. Oh geez, I thought captain was a little higher. <laughs> no, no, I saw him. Where's the going? No, so no, I, I, I'm not trying to be. I'm insulting, right in the middle. I, yeah, I no, I'm right, right like in the a, middle of right in the middle of all the ranks. Really? Do you do you like it? Where where you? I at? do. I love it now. Yeah, I you know for I was a lieutenant for about uh, nine and a half, ten years. Yeah, and I had great great crews where I was. It was awesome. That always um, helps, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you know that made it made my job easy as yeah. an officer, you know, so everybody knew what they were doing and I never really had any problem. Um, huh. a couple, a couple of hiccups here and there at, at the station I was at, but, um, it was, it was really good. It was yeah. really fun. Uh, I just knew it was, it was time, you know, I took a, it was my second or third captain's test I took where I got promoted. And so I, I, a Lieutenant in 2011, I got captain about a year and a half ago. It was November of 20, one yeah november of 21 oh, yeah yeah huh. so i've been uh i've been riding our i've been riding truck two since then okay yeah so right. i'm on a lot on a ladder truck which uh we have a tiller we have a uh where you drive the back oh and, no uh, kidding yeah so i'm i'm on that made famous by kramer and Seinfeld, yeah. right? yeah exactly <laughs> just out of curiosity uh, how much longer you go you're gonna go um, I, I can, so my contract, the way it is, is I can leave at 20 years, but I also have to be 48. So oh, I'm not geez. 48 yet. I'm 45. I'll turn 46 in September. So I have a little over two and a half years before I have to really make a decision if I'm going to stay or go and start something yeah. else. Yeah. So what was, uh, what job did you enjoy the most either in, uh, you know, in the army or, uh, in as you, in your firefighting career, what position did you enjoy the most? Um, oh, that's this might be a hard one because you've been doing the same position for so long. But that's a good question. Um, I think in in the, when I was in the army, so I, I wasn't I wasn't the best soldier in the world because I was doing a lot of hours on the ambulance outside of the military, and then going to the military and doing the exact same thing that I was doing. So I was kind of it's just a little yeah. bored. You know, yeah, a little, yeah. little, not even, I don't want to say bored. Uh, it was just so repetitive. So I, yeah, I kind right, of, right. I kind of, you know, withdrew a little bit when I was uh, towards the end of um, my, my military time. Um, it wasn't, it, I definitely couldn't keep up the enthusiasm like everybody yeah. else. was. Yeah, so true. it was a little tough for me to keep that up, but I always really liked it, you know, going out with the other companies, Oh yeah, um, yeah. you know, and, and being with them, like there was only one or two of us there at a time. Right. One or two medics from the medical platoon with them. And, you know, they, they, two people in the military that you don't mess with are the medics and the, and the cooks, right. right? So that's, right. that's how it was then. I don't know if it's still the same now. I mean, it was a long time ago, but, um, you know, they, they treated us really well. They, they, you know, they, they definitely treated us well. So I liked going to see them. Um, being a, a EMT or a paramedic, I would probably say I loved, I loved being a paramedic when it was making a difference. And not just going on the the routine mundane calls, you know, when oh, you were actually yeah. going to treat somebody that was injured or sick, like really sick. Yeah, that was it was interesting, 
you know, it was definitely interesting. Um, but working so much definitely kind of wears you out a little bit faster. So that was, I, I knew that wasn't going to last, but being on the fire department, I would probably say being on in the nozzle firefighter position. Oh yeah. Yeah. So every, every engine and every truck and every, you know, the rescue truck all have positions assigned. So okay. when you're, when you check in that day, you're, they'll say, okay, you're driving engine two. Okay. Your nozzle engine two, your hydrant engine two. Yeah. Being on the nozzle, knowing that you're the one putting out the fire is great. It's fantastic when you're really young. Um, and even now, really, I mean, if somebody gave me the line, I'd take it in a heartbeat. Oh, no kidding. But when I became a Lieutenant, that was, I mean, I was constantly on the engine. You know, there wasn't any switching from the truck to the engine to the rescue. I I mean, I rode the rescue for nine years as a firefighter. Um, Oh, you did. Yeah. As a firefighter and and a little bit of time as a Lieutenant too, because there was some transition there with uh, officers riding what apparatus on the rescue. So I was able to do that for a long time too, which was, I was just fortunate. It was just the situation that I was in. Um, And just lucky to be in the place that I was at the time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was, it was fun. Um, And I don't know if it's new or I just enjoy the truck work that I'm doing now. Oh, really? Or, or because of the crew that I'm with is also an awesome crew, just like my engine company was. Yeah. Um, just like the rescue was too. I mean, they're great, great people, great group of people. Yeah. Um, everywhere you go. But I'm really enjoying where I am right now. Oh, like, that's great. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's I mean, a well, lot. What a difference that makes. Yeah. When you have people that you enjoy being around. Yeah. Um, and then you can do the work and you still enjoy the people that you're being yeah. around. What a yeah. huge difference that makes. Absolutely. I mean, even the, like when I was a, a lieutenant, I had the same driver for all, almost all of my time there. Nope. And he and I are great. Yeah, we're great friends. He's a great guy. Yeah. You know, you count on him for anything, you know, yeah, just yeah. Yeah. He, you pull up to a, a fire or you pull up to any scene. And, you know, when you don't have to worry, especially from the officer position. And, and as a firefighter, I tried to do this for my officers. Right. You, you try to be the person that they have to worry about the least. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, you want to you want to make sure that they know that, you know, what you're supposed to do. So you don't they don't have to worry about what you're doing or where you're going or you don't um, have to ask a follow-up question. Exactly. You don't have to ask a check. Yeah. Right. right. And, and, and most of the time, you know, we have such set set positions that everybody has a job function when you first arrive. And the only thing you have to worry about is if those job functions can't be met okay. or something is different about this scenario that needs to change our order of operations or something of that yeah. nature. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, when you get there, everybody has a job function. And if you don't have to worry about, Oh yeah. You know, the guys that you're there with knowing their job function, it's fantastic. And or I, if they if they can tell you, Hey, I'm going to do this. I know you're going to ask me to, I'm, I'm just going to do it. And you're like, right. excellent. Exactly. Excellent. Exactly. <laughs> so, and, and I, I've experienced that on a bunch of different apparatus that I was on. Yeah. And, uh, I, I definitely, I mean, right now the guys that I'm with are great too. They're, they're awesome. Good. Also. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I don't have to say anything. They know where I'm going to go. I know where they're going to go. And if it right. doesn't work out, we just let everybody know, Hey, this isn't going to happen this time. This is, I can't do it because of this or whatever. And just, that's satisfying. Yeah, that's satisfying. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Two more questions. What's, sure. When was your biggest ass chewing? <laughs> um, because of a call or because of something in the station? Uh, just what was the, what was the one that stands out to you the most? 
let's see. So when I was a firefighter, I was driving, driving engine two. It wasn't even really a, an ass chewing as much as it was embarrassing. So okay, fair enough. Okay, so that was right at that right, <laughs> right at shift change in the morning. I'm coming in, yeah, and I'm driving engine two, and we get a call. Call comes in for the for the engine. Right. So the driver and I run downstairs. The, the driver I'm relieving runs downstairs, and he's getting all of his stuff off the engine and I'm grabbing my stuff to put it on to go. Okay. And our air pack, the driver's air pack is in a compartment on the side of the engine. It's not in the cab. So most of the time you hook up your mask in that compartment, close it and then leave your helmet in there and then, you know, put all your other stuff up front so you can put your coat on your pants and your coat oh, on okay. before yeah. you go out on a call. Well, I threw my pants on and threw everything into the cab because everybody else was already ready. And he grabbed all of his stuff and starts walking away. Well, I'm looking in the mirror. Well, now the door is open up. Uh-huh. So I look in the mirror and I look at everybody else. I raise buckle, put it in drive, and I start to go. And we're uh, halfway out of the bay and boom. And that door just flies right off because he left it open. Oh, think, no. Thinking that I was going to put my mask on oh, and everything. Geez. And, it, you know, it was, it was my own fault for not looking. And yeah. Then I, I, I look up, and of course, that little red light that blinks when you have a door open or a seatbelt undone yeah. is blinking. And I'm like, I didn't even notice. It. it was just, I was in a rush. I wasn't paying attention. Sure, sure. So I got, I got, a, I got a little trouble for that one. Uh, that, was, that was interesting. Um, you got all the way there, and then you got out and realized it was Oh, on. no. We realized it as soon as we were on oh, the geez, on, right on away. The oh, yeah. We heard it. It ripped right off the whole door. So you had to do the drive in that. No, we actually, the, the truck company took the call for us because we had to do like a report and everything like that. Oh, that's even worse. We ended up going instead. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. yeah that's bad. Yeah. It was, that was horrible. <laughs> was horrible. All right. The last one is what is your proudest moment? Um, well, okay, we'll do we'll do two because okay. one for the yeah. ambulance and one for the fire department. Um, so on the ambulance one day, uh, my proudest moment was when my partner and I delivered a baby. That was oh wow, awesome! That was incredible. So like it was like two in the morning, three in the morning. We get a call for you know possible delivery, and yeah. we get there, and the husband's outside, and he's like, "My wife's having a baby," which every husband tells you their wife is having a baby. And you really? probably have 12 hours, you know, you're fine. Oh yeah. yeah well, it's yeah. our, it's our second. I'm like, okay, well it's okay. So maybe a little bit farther along yeah. and then, you know, get upstairs and look into the bathroom and, oh no, you're having a baby right now. Like, <laughs> was it crowning or? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you're not kidding. You are having a baby. Yeah. And uh, you know, cause most of the time, you know, you have plenty of time to get to the hospital. You have, you know, you don't may not think it, but you do. Oh, do you but, really? Huh? So I mean, some, some, some women don't, some yeah, didn't, yeah, and she, just, yeah. she was one of the ones who didn't. And it, it's awesome too, because, you know, she was born and every year we get, you know, Oh, do you really? Yeah. We get pictures from their family and yeah. how she's 19, 20. She's in college. Wow. Um, and for her 18th birthday, actually, she was, uh, they invited us, my partner and I to their house. Oh, for her 18th birthday. So, yeah. That's it was awesome. awesome. Yeah. Wow. Really cool. That's really great. Yeah. 
Now, how about on the, you said you had one on the fire department? Okay. So the fire department, um, well, no, I, I, you know, I never really even thought about that, which is probably, well, you still got, you still got a career to go. So yeah, absolutely. I got, I got a lot of time. So, um, <laughs> Uh, you know, I think I think the the most proud moments are when, you know, you're you're there and you're doing your job, yeah. And somebody says one of the one of the firefighters or one of the people on the crew or one of the people that are there say you you did a really good job. Like that's yeah. that's more yeah. important than the actual event. Yeah. Um, you know, when I, you know, a couple a couple a couple times, you know, even a. When it's, especially when it's somebody not on your shift or somebody that no. wasn't there, yeah. it's even better. You know, like I had a captain come up to me at one point and say, you know, I heard you did a really good job at that fire. And I was like, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Cause it's not just, it's not just my guys telling me or, or my crew or my shift telling me or, or my boss telling me this is somebody right. who has no association necessarily with us or with that call at all. And people are talking about it in front of him. But so that, that they also my, they also have the knowledge, correct, to tell you whether you did a good or bad job. So yeah, exactly. that's nice to know too. Yeah. It's not just a civilian is like, hey, thank you very much. Right. You know, that's that's probably one of my one of my proudest moments was is that is when when especially that instance when that captain said that to me, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I'm I'm doing the right thing. Even though like you know we all can improve, we can all learn more, of course. Sure. But sure. When you, when you know you're doing the right thing in that moment, that's that's incredible. Well, former Army specialist, current fire department captain, correct, Roy Gagne, <laughs> French. Uh, <laughs> thanks for telling me your story, man. That 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 was awesome. That was a lot of fun. It was a privilege to hear it. Um, and thanks for taking the time. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. On behalf of Captain Gagne, I'd like to thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please leave a like and a comment and share the podcast with someone else. And as always, make sure to download the next episode for more service origin stories. So until next time, on your feet, dismissed!